going to have to be digested in little bite-sized pieces. But eventually, if you really work on it and you create that intention to integrate and digest your story, you will come to a place of peace and pride. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Shelly Rahim about how we can begin processing our birth story so that we can heal from it and be able to take pride in the experience. Hey mamas, I just wanted to take a second to start this episode off by really just preparing you for what we're about to be talking about because I really enjoyed this conversation with Shelly and I think that you are going to benefit from it so much if you have any sort of unresolved could, shoulds, if this, if that, I would have done this. Any of that kind of conversation circling around your birth story that you might need to still process because we really dive deep and go into different steps that you can take to help heal from that and really listen to your story and process it in a whole different way. So we, you know, specifically talk about her journey of entering motherhood and the steps that she has taken to now be in a position of deeply healing women through this transition and into the postpartum period. We talk about the history of birth and the ways different cultures have cared for women through this process and continue to care for new mothers. And Shelly is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to healing in postpartum. And she gives us amazing tips on understanding ourselves deeper and really just journeying through this transition. So this is a little bit longer of an episode, so be sure to really dedicate some time to listening in and fully dropping in so that you can get the full benefits from listening to this conversation. So pop in those headphones, turn up the volume, and let's get this episode started. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I am really excited to get this conversation started and talk with you today. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners? Hi, my name is Shelly Rahim, and I am an Ayurvedic postpartum caregiver. So basically, I take care of moms for the first 40 days after birth. I feed them nutritious food every day. I massage them every day. I bind their bellies and I, you know, I listen to their birth stories and I help them process their birth stories. Awesome. So you said every day. So you are coming to the mother's home to care for them in this time or what does that look like? Yes. I'm basically a postpartum doula. So, but I kind of don't fit into the 
sort of prescribed postpartum doula category, I would say, because I didn't take any of the more mainstream trainings. And I have different packages and different ways that I practice as a postpartum doula. And one of them is they can hire me for 40 days. And I mean, of course, I take weekends off, but um, but I am there all day, every day for 40 days. Yeah. yeah. So what was your journey like first entering motherhood? And can you kind of give us a little bit of an insight on on what you were kind of like feeling, going through, and everything that was involved in that? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so I got pregnant unexpectedly when I was 18. And in, this is in 1990, well, I guess 91, because my baby was born in 92. <laughs> I, I had gone through one year of college. Um, but I was like, okay, I guess we're going to start a family. And my boyfriend at the time was like, all right. Um, and he actually happens to be uh, Pakistani. And we, so we didn't, you know, we were, we didn't have any careers or, you know, <laughs> we, we were just young college students, very young. So we, we lived with his mom and she's, a, you know, first generation Pakistani woman. Um, and so we were like, well, we don't have any money. And so we got to move in with her. And it was the greatest blessing because after I gave birth to my babies, she took care of me like a South Asian mother-in-law does for their baby. Yeah. So I didn't realize after I gave birth to my babies back in the early 90s, there was no literature out there about postpartum and the way it's done in different countries. Like I didn't know anything. You know, there was no internet back then and there were no books on this. And but I, you know, she fed me kitchery and she brought me like warm, you know, kind of like chai with, with ghee. And she, I basically, the main thing was, was I didn't have to do anything for like three months, except for just rest and nurse my baby. And I mean, I think I might've started taking one class at the university again, you know, when my baby was like four months old, but I didn't do anything. I had my whole extended family all around me to take care of everything. And I didn't realize how blessed I was. Until my second baby came along, and we were still living with with my mother in law and, and and my brother in law and sister in law, and it was like the traditional you know extended family situation. And I, I gave birth to my daughter in a birth center, and so the midwife did like a two day home visit, and she comes over to my house and she's like, "Like you have all these people here helping you." Like when I go to a two day home visit, it's usually the mom you know, with her newborn running after a toddler and the, and the partner's gone back to work and she's on her own. And I sat there and I was like, I, that was 26 years ago. And it just had this impact. I'll never forget that moment when I'm sitting there and this midwife is telling me this. I had this compassion for all these mothers that weren't getting the treatment that I was getting. And then, you know, and then I went on my way of being a mom and pursued my I pursued art. I'm also an artist. I did some environmental activism. I did all kinds of things, raising my kids and doing things. And I came back into birth work through yoga. So I, I became a prenatal yoga teacher back in 2006. And then I just kind of added to my services. Then I became a birth doula. Then I started teaching birthing from within. And then I started doing birth trauma work. And then I started doing the postpartum work. So if you think about the, the birth, so you think about pregnancy, birth, and the postpartum time as one huge, massive life event on one continuum. 
they're not separate. They're all one. And even though I didn't go to a university and get a master's degree in how to take care of women during the perinatal year, what I did was very organic. I just followed my heart and it kind of was actually in the right order. Like I learned about birth, you know, I learned about it by going to births and walking with women through that, you know, and seeing what they go through and, and understanding the trauma they're experiencing and then meeting them on the other side and massaging them and binding their belly and, you know, listening to their story and helping them process it. And being on the continuum with them all the way through gave me this breadth, the breadth of knowledge and embodied experience to really understand what a woman goes through to become a mother. And so, you know, after like 16 years of this, um, it's kind of all culminated to where I'm at now, which well, I've always cooked. My, we lived with my mother-in-law for so many years and that she taught me basically Indian cooking just for my family. So I've always cooked Indian food. Like that's what I make because she was my mentor for me as I lived with her for so many years. And then in 2018, I took an Ayurvedic postpartum caregiver training with uh, the Center for Sacred Window Study. And I was like, oh my gosh, it gave me the knowledge and the, the Ayurvedic uh, wisdom behind the cooking I've been doing for almost 30 years and expanded it immensely for the, for the postpartum mother's um, needs. And I'll, I'll explain what Ayurveda is because I couldn't even say the word until like... <laughs> I took the course and I said it a thousand times and I, I have a, you know, extensive yoga training and, and that I was familiar with Ayurveda for many years. Couldn't say it, but I was familiar with it. And, um, but in a nutshell, what that is, is it's a, it's the holistic health system of India. So if you think about it this way, every country sort of has their own holistic health system, right? So if you have an ailment in America, you're going to go to your you know, you're a doctor and your doctor will probably prescribe you a pharmaceutical medication or propose a surgery in general. If you were in China and you had, you know, a physical health problem, you would go to your acupuncturist and they would probably do acupuncture needles and, you know, maybe prescribe you some Chinese herbs. If you are in India, then you would go to your Ayurvedic doctor or practitioner and they would first and foremost um, they would look at, okay, you have imbalances in your body, and they would restructure your diet to bring balance back to your body. So if you think about, I mean, that's just a very simplified, it's a 5,000 year old. It's ancient. It's much older than modern Western medicine. It just makes sense to use Ayurveda for, for birthing and postpartum mothers, because think about how birth just throws our bodies off balance, right? Like. There was water inside of us. There was a, a human being in there. Suddenly, like overnight, it vacates and our torso is now filled with air. And so in Ayurveda, they very much, you know, believe in human beings are comprised of the five elements. So the five elements of the earth, air, water, fire, earth, and ether, space. And all of these five elements are are part of everything in the universe, including us, and in our food. We are fire, water, air, earth, and spirit. We are these elements, right? 
So when a mom gives birth, suddenly now she's way too airy. Her air element is off the charts, right? So what foods can we give her that can actually pacify all that air inside of her? Watery things, warm things, soupy things, right? Earthy things. So potato chips, things that are light and airy and crunchy are going to bloat her even more, are going to exasperate that air that's already imbalanced in her body. So, um, so that's just kind of a, a really quick explanation. I hope it makes sense of that background from which I come. Yeah. I mean, that is something that I have never heard about, but as you're talking about it, it's, it's so eye-opening and it's like, yes, like that is the stuff that we need. And when you relate it to the elements and we're kind of saying, you know, yeah, like we're so airy. And it's funny that you said potato chips because that was with my first postpartum. We went out and bought, you know, a huge load of chips and snacks and things and stuff because I was like, well, I need things quick and easy to grab and I'm not going to be able to move. So it just made sense at the time. And then after time had passed and I was realizing like this is not the food that I need and this is not what's nourishing me and I educated myself on what was needed then I saw the difference. And now with my second, I'm actually able to implement those changes and see it happening in the beginning versus when I was finally healing myself years later with my first and, and seeing the benefits of it. I'm able to get that immediate healing started and not have to wait and feel so disconnected in that time period. So what you said exactly just like hit home and is like, yes, like, you know, it, it makes sense. And I think it's something that more of us need to be aware of and root back to because we are so disconnected from that, at least here in the States. And, and we're not being told how to care for ourselves in a way that needs to be talked about more. Yeah, your story is so beautiful because what I'm telling you about this 5,000, I'm sure it's even older than 5,000 years when it comes to postpartum from Ayurveda, this is cross-cultural. So it's not just in India that they believe this. This is every non-Western country adheres to these basic principles of feeding a mother after birth, which are, you know, what I just said, like warm, soupy foods, easy to digest. Like our maternal ancestors understood that a mother's digestion, when it's going through the birth process, it shuts down. Kind of like the way a, a marathon runner, you know, he's, my husband's a marathon runner, right? So he, he doesn't just suddenly start feeling hungry after an hour and a half of running. I mean, he might need to eat a little goo or some, something to give a little energy, but he's not like, oh man, I need to eat a pizza right now in the middle of this run. Like that doesn't even sound good because when your body is metabolizing this and in this kind of activity that takes so much energy, it knows that that energy, it, you don't have energy to, to actually digest food right now. We need to shut that digestion down and divert all that energy to birthing this baby. So those foods need to be very 
you know, nutrient dense. I always use bone broth because it's so easy to digest. Moms really need protein and they need it to be assimilated very easily and quickly in the body. And then also all of the amino acids that are in bone broth help to rekindle that digestion and helps to build the digestion. So when she's ready for food, her digestion is also primed up and ready. This is all cross-cultural. So these things that I'm telling you, you can look in any culture, anywhere in the world, in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia, they have the same thing. They have their own recipes, you know, like in Korea, they have seaweed soup and, you know, in India, they, they have khichdi and, you know, it's different everywhere. But what I love, what I hear about from your story is you realized, like after you gave birth to your first, like at some point on your journey, you realized, wow, like I didn't heal very well or as quickly as I feel like I should have. Um, and then with your second, you reflected back and you're like, okay, I am going to do this differently. And then you, you took it upon yourself to nourish yourself better. And something, it, it's like something in your bones and it is in our bones. Like when I see, when I speak this stuff to people who have never really thought about it, it's like, well, duh. You know, like I never thought about it. I just ate, you know, crap or whatever they ate, you know, but, but now that you're saying this, it was almost like, yeah, somehow I already knew that. <laughs> right. And that's what, so you had this knowing in your bones and, and then you did it and you noticed that it really helped. Yeah. Where do you think the disconnect has happened with the Western culture and why we are not remembering or why we're not incorporating these methods? Ooh, that's a really big question. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is important to ask this question because if we want to move forward in uh, and create a new path, a better way, we have to understand from where we've come. And so much like the evolution of birth, the way that, you know, women just, birth was taken away from us in the industrial revolution. So I'll start with birth because, you know, like I said, birth and postpartum are, are one huge experience on one continuum. And so you can kind of learn from knowing the history of how birth became industrialized. We can look at how postpartum also has become um, industrialized and taken away from us, basically, in much the same way. So before World War II in America, the births happened in the home. Families still lived in extended families. We didn't really have nursing homes. The maternal elders lived with their daughters and son-in-laws, and women gave birth much younger as well. So those maternal elders, they had recipes from their grandmothers. They knew what to feed the moms after birth. They witnessed, you know, birth was in the home, right? So a doctor or midwife would come to the home. And so that maternal elder, like Adula, like myself, I, I always tell my, my clients, like their moms, when I work with their moms and their mother-in-laws, the grandmas, you know, it's like, if you witness what I witness, right? If you actually saw, like my client, your daughter, I was her doula. She almost died. She had three blood transfusions. She was not there like her face was blue and like pale and that's what she went through and now she's home three days later and no she can't socialize with the neighbors right now like the problem is is so we have we are we don't go through it with our daughters anymore 
like they did. So if you were there and you witnessed it, you, you know, you know, to protect her from things like neighbors coming over when you should be having a nap. And so there's a disconnect there because what's happened is when the industrial revolution came along and then women started working and then we realized, you know, wow, this is empowering for us. We can make money. We can do everything men can do. And so we've proven that we have this same intelligence, the same ability to do everything men can do. And in the pursuit of proving this to the world, we have forsaken our true maternal intuitive gifts of nurturing, of taking care of our mothers after birth. And it's just the way it is. And so that now fast forward, you know, 40, 50, 60, or like 100 years, and it's now there's been, it's been four generations gone by in America where women can maybe take a few days off work to go help their daughter, but nobody helped them really after birth. So it's not, they don't know what it, the embodied experience of being cared for even feels like. It's so disconnected from them. And they haven't thought about it. They probably had a pretty traumatic birth in the 1960s or 70s. And, you know, and here we are trying to figure out how come our maternal elders have forgotten how to take care of us? You know, so that's, that's kind of my, you know, explanation. Yeah, yeah, there's so much there. And I think, you know, that really sparked something in me to dive deeper into the history. And like you were saying, like, there's generations of that. And I think uniquely for me, my mom died when I was very young. So I don't know what her birth story was like. I don't know what that journey was like. And then I didn't have her there when I birthed my children. So there was there was no kind of, well, I didn't have this or it was this way. And, you know, there were other women in my life. There are other women in my life, but I don't have that direct line of a generation to really call to or say what was going on. And so I think that kind of opened me up to what is it supposed to be like? What can it be like? And almost rewrite a new path for for what that can really be like. And having a daughter for my first child, I think ripple effect that into, well, how can I make it better for when, if she decides to enter motherhood and, and what that will be like for her. Wow. Yeah, that's so beautiful. What a beautiful calling that you had, even from the very beginning, um, and that you are creating the legacy in your family. Yeah, it, it's really like the more I learn and the more I kind of uncover, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Like it's like I want to be learning more about this stuff. And like every interview, every conversation, everything that I really call to, I guess, is is really paving that path. And so, you know, like then tapping back into how I was saying, you know, like I don't have a birth story to to hear about from my mother and then processing my own birth story 
where have you really seen that be beneficial when we are processing our birth story? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's part of the legacy, right? Is how you gave birth and coming to a place of peace and pride in how you gave birth, regardless of the outcome, because it probably wasn't what your birth plan was laid out to be. But yet it's still very, very important to process that story and come to a place of ownership and pride. And it doesn't happen overnight because that is the legacy. Whether you're aware of it or not, that's the legacy that you're creating in the maternal lineage in your family, a really important piece of the mothering journey. So what can we do to help understand our birth story in the postpartum period? And how can we also, maybe if we aren't the mother ourselves, but a caregiver or or someone just involved with the birth story, how can we help the mother through that journey? Perfect. So that's a two-part question. And what we're actually doing when we integrate our story is we're kind of like digesting it because the birth is such a huge, massive, big experience filled with so many moments that are just powerful and intense that it's almost like eating a giant meal. You can't, you can't just sit down and eat an entire buffet of food all in one sitting and process it. It's going to have to be digested in little bite-sized pieces. But eventually, if you really work on it and you create that intention to integrate and digest your story, you will come to a place of peace and pride. And that's, it it just takes time and everybody will be, and, and my birth stories, my daughters are, my kids are 30, 26, and 16. And My birth stories are always evolving. They're going to change as I change. They're alive in us, in ourselves. So as I reflect and the more, especially because I'm a a birth worker and I do this work, I, I feel like I learn about myself and my birth experiences with almost every birth I go to, you know, on some level. So there's never like this completion of, oh, okay, you know, I'm done with my birth story. But um, when there's trauma or when there's shame, if there's like regret, if there's moments where, you know, if, if you are ever saying, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, or they should have done this, they, like my husband should have done this, or that nurse should have done that, or that doctor should have done this, that is a sign that it, your story is not fully integrated yet. You're still seeking resolution perhaps for me, but what you think might be a problem. Yeah. So the ways that I encourage postpartum mothers are, are a mother on at any stage of their journey to process their story is, uh, is to write it down. The physical act of, of using your hand and a pen and paper um, slows the brain down. So you'll be thinking about a moment. And the other thing is, is do it one moment at a time. Okay. So and the other thing to understand is that there's really two birth stories. There's the emotional story and there's the physical story. The physical story is like, first my water broke and then I was two centimeters and then 
you know, the, the account of the things that happen to your body, which is kind of like what most people do when they, when they tell their story. And like, that's good to do. It's good to, to understand like what physically happened. But at the end of the day, like it's the emotional story that really matters the most. It was how you felt. How were you cared for? How did people show up? And did you feel nurtured? Did you feel supported? Did you feel loved? Or did you feel abandoned? Did you, did you experience holy terror? Did you feel experience relief? And those are the things that we need to kind of get to. So, and we can really just digest one bite at a time. So after, a mom, how it works is after mom gives birth, those first few days she gets home, she gets settled. She's gotten through the big ordeal. And then she'll be up in the middle of the night. She'll be sitting there nursing her baby. And then this one moment will just pop in her head. And it'll kind of replay over and over and over and over in her mind. And that's a sign that that moment needs to be processed or digested. So once the baby goes to sleep, if you can, just start journaling about it. Stream of conscience writing. You know, it could be something like, you know, oh my gosh, they're like, why did I agree to the epidural? I didn't want the epidural. I I agreed to it. That nurse, she was just so rude to me. Her voice, I just caved in and I should have, you know, I should have remembered what I learned in my birth class about <clears throat> consent and I, and stand up for myself and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So just get that out on paper. Yeah. And then once you get that out on paper, um, I can put in the show notes here, if you, if you'd like some questions that will kind of take you deeper beneath. Cause what that little scenario I gave right there was a little bit of, um, like I should have, I should have, I should have. Right. So she's blaming herself for a moment that happened. And in that moment, it was, it was the right thing to happen because that in that moment, that's what she needed. Otherwise, she wouldn't have done it, right? So, but, she, but when you get out of that moment, you, you second guess, right? And so um, I have some questions that, that can take you kind of deeper about how you want to look at that moment that you maybe carry some shame around that'll kind of flip it for you a little bit. And then the other part of this or did you have any questions about that before I talk about the caregiver no I mean I definitely want to put that in the show notes and have those questions available because I think this is something that is just so important for us to be able to have those kinds of thought-provoking questions to help get rid of those you know shoulda coulda woulda thoughts and to stop with the guilt and the shame because it it keeps us so stuck from being able to be the person we want to be and be the mother that we want to be. And I think it's something that everybody needs to do. Like whether you think, you know, your birth went amazing. I think there's always that, you know, little parts of it that maybe you're still kind of hung up on. Absolutely. And I love what you said, because when I work with moms on healing their birth story or integrating it, um, usually like what they, they tell me is they just feel like a failure. That's what their birth story represents them as I failed. And it's so heartbreaking. Oh my God. Like after they, they tell me what they went through and I'm like, you are amazing. You're this hero. Oh my gosh. And you, you said you failed. So, I mean, and that is in our body because birth is an embodied act that we do. And so when we think I'm a failure, 
that's like, that's what we're carrying in our body. And then that informs our parenting. That informs a lot. We try to overcompensate in our parenting to make up for our, you know, we, we used, you know, we got the epidural and we had a cesarean and I wanted skin to skin and I, I didn't give my baby all these things. And so now I'm going to try to make up for it. And, but we're not conscious of that, but that's what can happen when we don't integrate our birth story. So you ready for the caregivers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Out there, mamas, if you have like a, a mom or a mother-in-law or a partner, it's really challenging. Let me tell you, I have worked my whole life and I still work very hard to hold space for a mother as she processes or tries to make sense of her birth story. And it's not easy to do because we don't like seeing people in pain and it's uncomfortable for us and we just want to fix it or, you know, we want to help them, but we don't know how. And so one thing I can tell you that if you're, if you're a woman who are like a, a mother or a doula or somebody who, um, is with women who are maybe processing their birth stories, um, then it's really important for you to have processed yours um, as well, if you can, if that's possible, do the same things that I just suggested for a mother after birth, do those things for yourself and your birth story. Because um, we can kind of carry those stories that we are carrying that we're not aware of. Maybe the message was, uh, well, I failed or, or whatever. And we can carry that into our clients or our daughter's stories and sort of unconsciously, not knowingly sort of project that. So what we're trying to prevent them from feeling those things, like we don't want them to feel like a failure, like I feel. So I'm going to try and do everything I can to prevent, let's say, let's say I, um, Let's see, I'll just give a common example. You know, I got induced and my story is because I said yes to the induction, then I got the cascade of interventions. And so I kind of have labeled that decision of getting induced, even though it was the right thing to do at that time. But my story is if I didn't get induced, I would have had my natural birth. And so, oh my God, my daughter's going to get induced. No, you can't get induced. You know what I'm saying? So we have to really uh, work on that for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't want it. We don't want our daughters to get into this, you know, but it's a different, it, it, it's just, where is it coming from? So that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing is, so when you are, um, like, let's say, let me give you the example of, you know, you are the mother or mother-in-law and you've got a week off work and you're going to come take care of your daughter that first week after after the birth and um and maybe she did have a, a challenging birth she was you know a couple of days in labor you know and it's just challenging um then what is important for the caregiver to understand is that um her entire brain there's a lot of neuroscience now her entire brain and psyche um is undergoing a massive reorganization and so it's um, new neural pathways are 
being formed in her brain that are teaching her how to be a mother and how to nurture. And so, and then also there's this whole birth story that just happened. Like I said, like a big buffet of, of moments, good moments, beautiful moments, the most powerful moments of her life. And then also probably the most terrifying moments of her life all are in this buffet and it's all in her brain right now, right? It's all in her head. It's too much. It's too much. And so it really is too much. And so all she can do is focus on, okay, I got to get the latch. I just got to get the latch right now. I mean, you're in survival mode right now. Like your body is, 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 is injured. Your mind is blown open and like, I got to get the latch. <laughs> so if a neighbor wants to drop by and see the baby, there's no room in her psyche for that. And so she has to, but yet, what does she do? She has to choose, do I be rude or do I just suck it up and, 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 and you know, go visit just 10 minutes. All right. All right. You know, maybe she didn't sleep all night long. Literally, like since the birth, she hasn't actually had a two hour stretch of deep sleep. And it's like, oh my God, they're coming over, but like the baby's sleeping right now. And I have a chance to actually get a solid deep sleep. And sleep is sacred. Like sleep is where the body heals. She's going to choose to suck it up, skip a nap, and, and visit with the neighbors. But there's just, there's no room on the buffet in her mind for niceties, for socializing, for any of this. Yeah, so what it does is it just creates overwhelm. And it's overwhelm in her mind and it's overwhelm in her body because her body is like, I need you to sleep. That's where the cells regenerate, rejuvenate. Um, so the caregiver needs to, A, you yourself needs to, and I have to remind myself of this like every time because when I go to my clients, like, they don't look like they're not okay with chatting. Like my mamas are like, like, oh, hey, Shelly, how are you? And I'm like, I'm not going to answer that question. But sometimes I get caught up in like, oh, God, yeah, you know, well, my son just, you know, did this and that. And like, and like, oh, crap. No, I can't. She's asking me, but I cannot answer that. <laughs> it's like really hard to do because they look fine, but they're not. And yeah, so the caregivers need to really just do not be chatty. Just focus on how are you? What can I do for you? Right now? And that's it. And then um, if, and then also protect her from the neighbors, right? So our, I don't mean to demonize neighbors. So, <laughs> I mean, I have been that neighbor myself plenty of times, okay? We all do this. We all are part of this culture. Um, I am very much guilty of all these things like everybody else. And then, so they were protecting kind of like setting those boundaries, helping her to create that space so she can integrate and heal. And then, okay, let's say she's an external processor. She's somebody who, I mean, you know who you are. Whenever you have something intense happen in your life, you call a girlfriend. Oh my God, listen to what just happened. Right. Like we a lot of us women can be external processors. And then there's more internal processors who they would love to just, you know, journal right. And both are good and both are important to do. But let's say, you know, um, 
it's day four after birth. You're you're the mother or mother-in-law. You're there, and your daughter. You walk in the room, and she's just like crying because her because she's thinking about a moment that was really hard. Um, then what you can do is really just sit and listen, and try not to say like, "Well, at least you have a healthy baby," because I mean I've said it, we've all said it. Like it's just like it kind of makes her feel like, "Oh yeah." That's my psychological and emotional story doesn't matter. We're alive. We're alive. <laughs> um, but her mental health does matter. And, and so we don't mean that it doesn't matter when we say that. But um, that's kind of what, how, they, how moms feel when they hear that. Uh, it's almost shaming in a way. And so just to sit and listen and validate. That's it. And I, in the show notes, I'll put phrases that you can say that can that can help her get past the shame story. Um, so like, for, for example, you know, she's crying and she's like, oh, I'll just go back to that same example. Oh, I shouldn't have got that epidural. I shouldn't have got the epidural. Like if that nurse didn't come in, then I, if I had my own doctor and my own, like, you know, I could have done it. Um, then, you know, just validate. Like that's so hard. You had to let that part go. That desire for the network and just that's it just validate and then i'll put some questions in there like you could say you know then if, if it feels right try to muster up one of these questions like but in that moment like how did you know it was the right thing to do and then she's like hmm i guess well i think that takes her back to the moment when it was the right thing to do you know she hadn't slept for two days the pain was overwhelming She's still only three centimeters. Like there's no, there's no way. Like that's why we have those interventions, you know? And so it, it can just help her, those kinds of questions. And then another question that you can ask is what was your favorite moment? Because a lot of times we get stuck on, um, we get stuck on the, the problems, right? Things that went wrong. Um, but in between those things that we say went wrong, there was all these like, Really beautiful moments and most people the favorite moment is like when they see their baby but there's also like like favorite moments that are just unexpected like powerful moments that are there waiting to be kind of excavated yeah yeah I think there's something about that and creating different conversations because I think like you said like you know we're all guilty of saying like this or that and I think it's only because that is the conversation that we have had told to us so we don't know anything otherwise we're kind of like well you know it's kind of like that hey how are you good you know we don't know any other way to respond we don't know how to have those conversations so i think just learning new ways of how we can talk to new mothers and how new mothers can bring conversation that's going to be healing for them is is something so beneficial that just needs to be shared because we don't know what we don't know. And I think it's going to continue to just be that same kind of repetitive conversation that isn't helping anybody if we aren't looking at new ways to have the conversation and open up, you know, the processing cycle, but turning back to them and helping them in that moment, I think is, is more 
need it, but maybe something that's not common. Yeah. And even the mother herself doesn't realize that until afterwards, maybe she feels exhausted after that 10 minute conversation. Um, she might feel it then, but in the, but she doesn't know, you know, if nobody really, like you said, we just don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, you know, we could talk all day and really just dive into all of this. And I think, you know, there's just so many layers that I'm uncovering myself. And I mean, like you said, like it's a continuous journey and we always can go back on our birth stories and we can always, you know, learn more and really spark that curiosity about everything. And I I think the more conversations that we open up about this, the more that we're going to learn about it. Do you have any any final, you know, words of advice or wisdom or something that you wish you would have known earlier or something that you really push for and and hope that each mother is aware of in the postpartum period? I think um have first and foremost for both the mother and the caregiver is to have compassion for yourself, that now you're starting to learn a new way of like processing your birth story or helping a loved one process their birth story or a client. And we're going to say the wrong thing and going to kick ourselves and be like, oh, I knew I should, even I still say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I, I, I know that wasn't helpful or, or I'm going to forget and get chatty. But afterwards, I realize, and then next time I, I remember, and we're just going to get better little bits at a, at a time. So be really compassionate with yourself because kind of like pioneers here, forging the way for the generations to come, and we're going to make a lot of mistakes in that time. Yeah. So ha- we'll get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, how my own personal journey is going to expand and ex- and and go and and even just, you know, all the people that I'm going to come across like you and and really just learn from. So, I I think it's I think it's really awesome to see more people pushing for, you know, care in the postpartum period and and really being there to nurture the mother in ways that maybe we aren't used to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. People are hungry for it. So I am bringing it. I've got an online course coming out. And in that course will be an entire module on birth story processing for the mother and for the caregiver on how to hold space for that. And also even for the caregiver to reflect on their own birth experiences. So that's amazing. So, you know, other than that, what other things do you have coming up? How can we get in contact with you? Where can we find you at on social media? Everything like that. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a um, postpartum cookbook. Uh, I've got an agent right now who's shopping for a publisher. So that'll be, hopefully I'll get my book picked up by a publisher soon and um will be available at some point <laughs> and then but um I have my Instagram has a lot of really good tips on um how to help take care of a mother after birth a lot of recipes and different things so that's at new mother caregiving 
And my website is newmothercaregiving.com. And I'm located in San Diego, California. So I, I also have a local um, website for my in-person services, which is sacredbirthjourney.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, you know, chatting about everything. I think, you know, I, I love like having that organic conversation because there's going to be topics that maybe we didn't necessarily think were going to come up, but they did. And it's always, you know, messages that I think are needed and and worth hearing. So, so thanks for sharing everything. It was perfect, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this wraps up another episode of the Entering Motherhood podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us wherever you are listening because that helps the show grow and expand so that other mamas can learn information on how to heal and navigate in motherhood. And speaking about healing, I just wanted to let you all know that September will be the last month that we are offering our Heal Your Trauma Mama workshop for free. This workshop is a time that you can focus on becoming more aware of yourself and the strength that you have in motherhood. It really gives you an opportunity to allow yourself to look deeper and heal so that you can be more present and look at motherhood in a whole new way. We break down different methods that you can utilize that will help you get started with healing from any trauma that might currently be present in your life associated with motherhood, birth, and everything that comes with the transition of entering motherhood. So if this is something that you're interested in, please look out for that and follow the link in the show notes to become a part of this amazing series before we wrap it up and create something entirely new and revamped to help serve moms who may be experiencing some trauma. Thank you so much for listening. It means so much to me. And be sure to subscribe so that you can listen to the latest episodes of the Entering Motherhood podcast. See you later, mamas.